Welcome to People's Church. Before we get to this week's message with Pastor Tom Murray, we want you to know that you matter to your Heavenly Father and you matter to us. People's Church is a multi-generational faith community in Salem, committed to knowing Christ and making Him known. Sunday morning worship services at our Salem campus are at 8.30, 10, and 11.30. Watch messages anytime and plan your visit at peopleschurch.com. We pray this practical biblical teaching is encouraging, challenging, and possibly even life-changing. People's Church, great to see you today. You look great. Oh, thank you. Thank you. No one ever says that back. That's very kind. Thank you. Uh, I have a message just for the fellows this morning, and I, I was tempted to say, ladies, you can just tune out for um, like 30 seconds, but actually, if you're sitting next to your husband, I need you to remind your husband, okay? Coming up on February 5th, we have a men's breakfast, and we want all the guys there, middle school, high school, up through seniors. It's going to be a great day. We are going to have Chris Casey, head football coach at George Fox with us, a man who's led the football program there through the eyes of faith. And so we are really looking forward to what he has to share with us, to encourage us. So looking across the People's Church family, I know that many of you are guys are committed that whenever we have a men's breakfast, the few times a year that we do this, you are there. If you are a regular at the men's breakfast, come and bring someone with you. If you have never come to a men's breakfast, come and bring someone with you. Saturday, February 5th, uh, it's going to be a great time together. You can purchase the tickets for the men's breakfast as you are heading on your way out today. Guys, please come. Wives, remind your husbands and release them, if you would please, for a couple hours on that morning, Saturday, February 5th. A friend shared with me how he would get into arguments with his dad about the Bible, about church, and about theology. See, I was part of church with the son, and the dad had for his entire life been part of the Catholic church. And there just really isn't a whole lot of spiritual productivity when two sides just dig in their heels in a cyclical argument going round and round and round, my way is better than your way, and here's why. What many of us have learned over the years is that when we're trying to persuade change, it actually often causes the other side to double down, becoming more resolute in refusing to change their view. So after this had gone on for quite some time, became tiresome that they would have these theological debates, uh, my friend suggested instead of arguing about my way, your way, which way is the better way, what if we were to do this, Dad? What if we were just to open up the Bible once a week, read it together, and then talk about what it says? What happened when they started to do that in the weeks, months, and years that followed, what had been divisive turned into productive, spiritually deep, life-changing conversations centered on biblical truth. See, great things happen when we have conversations and we put the Bible at the center of those conversations. This is where we rejoin our Sunday morning message series, Disciple. To disciple is to teach others what you have been taught about Jesus for the purpose of becoming more like Jesus. My encouragement is that each of us would be challenged to live the disciple life. Disciple. Be one, 
make one, then make another one, and another one, and another one. Discipleship thrives when we are willing to both give and receive biblical teaching. When you participate in discipleship, God's kingdom grows through you. How does that happen? Well, it grows through you because you are teaching additional people about the faith that you have. Today we're going to track through the discipleship journey of an early Christian who was discipled and then became a disciple maker. Through this life story, we see an example of how God's word, the Bible, is essential and central to the disciple life. The early Christian who was discipled and then became a disciple maker is Timothy. Everyone say with me, Timothy. Timothy. We know Timothy, uh, we know this from the Bible, that Timothy's, Timothy's dad was Greek and his mom was a follower of Christ with a Jewish background. Some of, us, some of us will say that our greatest influence for Christ came from within our own family, within our own household. Others will say, even if we came from a, a family with a faith background, it was someone outside of our household who had the greatest impact in making our faith real. A pastor, a youth pastor, a Christian coworker, classmate, friend, somebody who lived down the hall at the dorm. The greatest spiritual influence on Timothy, even though he grew up in this faith household, the greatest influence spiritually on his life was Paul. Paul is, of course, one who used to be part of the Jewish religious elite, and he hated Christians, and he was given authority to make life horrible for Christians, to make life punishing for Christians. And then Paul had this incredible life change when he encountered the resurrected Christ, on the road to Damascus, and now we know Paul as the greatest missionary evangelist church planter of all time. Two letters that we have in our New Testament are addressed from the Apostle Paul to Timothy. So I invite you to open up or power up your word with me to 2 Timothy chapter 3, 2 Timothy chapter 3. If you can choose on your app, we're going to be reading from the ESV today. If you don't have the Bible app on your phone or did not bring your Bible with you this morning and just want to look like you fit in. You can open up and just look at Facebook for like 10 seconds and I'll think that you're looking at the Bible app. Paul writes, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14. Paul, writing to Timothy, says, But as for you, as for you, Timothy, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it. Paul says, continue. This means to remain in, do not depart from, be present in, be kept in, survive in, live in what you have learned and firmly believe. Timothy has been committed to increasing in knowledge, to be informed, resulting in a firm belief. Paul says you're convinced you trust from whom you learned it. Whom, there is a plural word, Timothy has benefited from many teachers. Paul is among the teachers. Every indication is that Paul was the most influential spiritual teacher in Timothy's life. Paul refers actually to Timothy as my true son in the faith. Now for Paul, the Paul, to refer to you as his own son in the faith, that is a big deal. Paul also writes about the faith that dwells in Timothy's grandmother, Lois, 
and his mother Eunice. Thank God for faithful parents and grandparents. So if we were to ask Timothy some questions, we might say, Timothy, how far back did your spiritual growth begin? Timothy, you had many teachers. What curriculum did they use? Timothy, as a result of all that teaching that you trust in, what exactly is it that you trust in? What are you convinced of? For the answers to those questions, look with me at verse 15. And how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Timothy trusted Jesus for salvation as a result of being taught God's word. Timothy, how far back did your spiritual development begin? From childhood. From childhood. Some translations actually say infancy. It's never too early to plant the seeds of faith in a young life. See, at People's Church, we do not offer babysitting and childcare while the adults do church. We offer meaningful, Christ-centered, biblical teaching for all ages, beginning with our newborns and infants, all the way up through preschool, through kindergarten, through first grade, second grade, third grade, fourth grade, and fifth grade, planting the seeds of faith. So what it can be said of the kids who grow up in People's Church, what has been said of Timothy from infancy, from infancy, you had, many sick, you had many teachers. Where did they get their curriculum? Paul refers to them as the sacred texts, Holy Scripture, the Word of God. The Word of God is the curriculum. At this point in world history, when Paul is writing this letter to Timothy, of course, the Old Testament had been well established. And also, by this point in history, the letters that make up our New Testament, several of them were already in circulation. In fact, some letters that now make up our New Testament had been in circulation for 10 years or more by the time that Paul writes this letter to Timothy. As a result of that teaching, Timothy, what is it exactly that you trust him? Well, the answer Paul gives us, Timothy trusts in salvation through faith in Christ. Timothy has been around the word his entire life, and here's where Paul emphasizes the essential value of Scripture. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. Not pick and choose the Scripture that you like best. All Scripture is God-breathed, God breathed, God used human authors empowered by the Holy Spirit in their cultural setting. Good for teaching, reproof, correction, and training in righteousness. Teaching means that God's word is good for helping us to understand who God is and what he stands for. For reproof or rebuking, showing us where our lives are at odds with God's ways. For correcting, God's word is good to help us understand where we are at odds with our Heavenly Father, and God's word also helps us to reset or move in the direction of his ways. God's word is good for training. 
some of you crazies have trained for a half marathon or a marathon or that insane race where people run from the top of Mount Hood all the way to the coast. Do you know that people actually get rejected from this race because it fills up so fast? People are begging to run from the top of the mountain to the coast. God bless you. Even if we don't personally train, I think we understand the concept of training. You are training, you are working to increase your speed and your stamina so that you can be at your peak on race day. As followers of Christ, we have this race of faith through our lives where we are training. We are always striving to be more like Christ today than we were yesterday. Do you know we never reach the finish line this side of eternity? There's always more that we can know about Christ. Verse 17, what is the purpose of teaching, reproof, correcting, and training? That the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. You can insert your name right into this verse. That Tom may be complete, equipped for every good work. That Corey may be complete, equipped for every good work. That Jeff may be complete, equipped for every good work. That Ryan may be equipped, complete for every good work. We are equipped to do God's work through biblical teaching, reproof, correcting, and training. I want you to watch where this is going. Timothy, you are raised in a family of faith. You've been around the word since before you could walk. As a result of God's truth from God's word, you trust in Jesus as your present help and as your hope for eternity. You know, Timothy, that God's word is, God's, is God-breathed and it is powerful to equip you to do what is good. This is the source for teaching, reproof, correcting, and training. You are equipped, Timothy, as a result. Listen to this lead up. 2 Timothy chapter 4 now, verse 1, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom. That's quite a lead up. <laughs> Timothy, if he's anything like you and me, with that kind of lead up, might be thinking, I'm not sure that I'm ready to do what you're going to ask me to do. Verse 2, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. Timothy, you know the word, now preach the word. You've been discipled, now be a disciple maker. Teach others what you have been taught. Well, couldn't someone else do this? The question is often, if not you, then who? You are equipped, now equip someone else. Sometimes we can convince ourselves that not to get involved, not to say anything, because we're in fear that someone may ask us a question and we don't know the answer. Do you know it's okay if you don't know the answer? It's okay if someone asks you a question as you're desiring to teach them when you have been taught about Christ and you say, you know what, that's a great question. I've never quite thought of it that way before. I don't know the answer off the top of my head. But fortunately, I have a place where we can go together and look for the answer. You are equipped. Now equip someone else. 
reprove. This means convict. This means with patience, teach people that as a result of their sin, there is an eternal separation from God in the worst possible torment called hell. And Paul has just said, Timothy, you need to do this because there is a judgment coming. So reprove and rebuke. To rebuke means to patiently teach people that the ways of the world, the ways of culture are at odds with God. And then exhort, patiently teach and encourage people to turn away from sin and turn in the direction of their loving Heavenly Father by receiving the Son, Jesus Christ. Why is this important? Verses 3 and 4, this speaks right into what's happening today. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but have itching ears. They will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. They will accumulate teachers to suit their own passions. In today's culture, no matter how crazy your beliefs are, you can find someone to affirm your beliefs. You can find someone with influence to affirm just about any belief that's out there. You can find an author, a popular podcast host, a famous actor, someone with a lot of social media followers. Just because someone is an influencer doesn't mean they're putting out truth. Paul calls it wandering off into myths. So how do we prevent, as believers, wandering off into myths? God's word guards us from turning away from his truth. It is essential that we are regularly putting the Bible into our heart and our mind. Anytime there's been a study along this vein, the results always find that a strong majority of American households have a Bible in the house. The studies also show that engagement with the Bible is at an extreme low. There is a biblical literacy crisis in America. Biblical literacy is to have an accurate understanding of God's word for the purpose of salvation and for becoming more like Christ. Lack of biblical knowledge results in counterfeit Christianity. I want to show you what may be America's fastest growing belief system, even though very few people know what it's called. It could be the fastest growing belief system that very few people are aware they are part of this. On this belief system, George Barna, the highly respected Christian, Christian researcher, says this is a watered down, feel good, and ultimately fake Christianity. It is called this, moralistic, therapeutic deism. And here's why it is a growing belief system that people are not aware that they're part of. It's because it sounds kind of Christian that people may think if they hold these beliefs that they are Christian beliefs. So let's just look at this briefly. These are some core beliefs of what has been described, moralistic, therapeutic deism. This um, was first unfolded in a book that was written about spirituality among teenagers about 15 years ago. Moralistic, therapeutic deism. Number one, a God exists who created and ordered the world and watches over human life on earth. 
Number two, God wants people to be good, nice, and fair to each other as taught in the Bible and by most world religions. Number three, the central goal of life is to be happy and to feel good about oneself. Number four, God does not need to be particularly involved in one's life except when God is needed to resolve a problem. And number five, good people go to heaven. Good people go to heaven when they die. The problem is that people may say that they are a follower of Christ, but when they unpack what they believe, it would be in line with something like this. And the reality is, it's counterfeit. This is wandering off into myths. What is described here is less than God's best. It is deceitful because some of these points sound Christian and contain even some half-truths. But hear this, the biggest deceits often contain some truth, some truth that has been twisted. So let's unpack these a little bit. Number one, let's know this. God does not merely exist to watch over us. He is a holy, heavenly Father. We are separated from him by our sin, but he loves us so much he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for our reconciliation, and as a result, wants us to strive for righteousness that he models for us. He sent the Holy Spirit to dwell in us forever. God doesn't just watch over. He actually dwells inside the believer. Paul writes this about unbelievers in Romans chapter 10, verse 3. For being ignorant of the righteousness of God, unbelievers seek to establish their own. They do not submit to God's righteousness. Number two, yes, God does value fairness and treating each other well. However, what he first desires is for spiritually lost people to realize the consequence of sin and then turn away from it. As Peter preached in Acts chapter 2, verse 38, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Number three, happiness and feeling good. Many of us would say that what we've come to know is that happiness and feeling good are very fleeting and can change by the minute based on circumstances. Thank God he offers something that is so much better than fleeting happiness and feeling good. The joy of the Lord is your strength. The greatest joy comes when we devote our lives to glorifying God, not glorifying ourselves. Number four, Heavenly Father, guard our hearts from reducing you to some cosmic problem solver that only wants to hear from us when we're having a bad day and would otherwise not be worthy of relationship. John 15, verse 4, records Jesus saying, Abide in me, and I in you. To abide means to remain in Christ. This sounds a lot different than just going to God when we're having trouble. Remain in me, abide in me, and I in you, Jesus says, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. Verse 5. Thank God he gives us a better, not verse 5, number 5, sorry. Those of you who are paying attention caught that. Number 5. Thank God he gives us a better way to heaven than an arbitrary, unknowable measure of being good. He offers the hope of heaven to all who place their trust in Jesus Christ as Savior. 
Thank God he provides a path to heaven for those of us who'd say we've messed up. John 3.16, whoever believes in Jesus will not perish but have eternal life. It is only through a consistent life in God's word where we can call out these nuances, where we can recognize half-truths. It is only through consistent life in God's word that we recognize what is and what is not aligned with God's word. Where we can see, that sounds kind of Christian, but as we begin to unpack what's there, we see that it is actually very different from what the Word of God says. Look at what the author of Hebrews tells us, Hebrews chapter 3, verse 12. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. The author of Hebrews, speaking to believers, saying that you, we must be on guard, or there is potential that we could develop an evil, unbelieving heart that would cause us to fall away from the living God. So how is it that we make sure that our hearts do not become evil and unbelieving, turning away from the living God? And some of us have had the painful walk in a relationship in our life where someone is on fire, we'd say, for the Lord, but over time they drift farther away. We could say that they are uh, they wander away in the myths. How do we make sure our hearts do not become evil and unbelieving? Verse 13, exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Exhort is probably not a word that most of us use in daily conversation. But what exhort means is to advise, to urge, to encourage. Keep watch over each other. Be in the word, in community. We cannot exhort each other if we are not with each other. The enemy will do whatever possible to convince you to exist in isolation. It is also in Hebrews where we read Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Now, most of us do not own a sword. Just, again, that's my guess. Sword ownership, not sure what the levels are in America. Most of us do not own a sword, but we do have kitchen knives. I thought about bringing a kitchen knife up as a sermon illustration, but didn't know that that would be the greatest video to be out there of a pastor wielding a knife on the platform. So you just have to envision what we know about a knife is that if we're just holding it, it's really not doing much good. A knife has its value when we're using it in preparation to prepare a meal and we press the knife against meat or vegetables or something else. It's when the, the knife makes contact, that's when the blade becomes valuable. We're putting it to use. A Bible on a shelf and a butcher's knife in a storage block cause no change. 
You can have these on your shelf. The research would show that most Americans actually own more than one Bible. On the shelf, on a table, in storage, Bibles don't do much. Simply holding the Bible does not have much of an impact. It's when we open and read the word, that's when the words press upon our mind, our soul, and our spirit, separating in us what is life-giving from what is junk that needs to be eradicated from our lives. When we open God's word and and read God's word, that's where we find out what is for God and what is against God. Knowing the Bible is central and essential to becoming a disciple and making disciples. This church, which turned 70 years old this year, People's Church, we have a rich history of being a spiritually deep church, a community that knows the word. It is our desire that we would continue to grow even more deeply rooted in the rich spiritual soil of God's word. There is high value in being part of a Bible study group, a group where you can be in community conversations where the word is central, the Bible is central, where we can be in circles, not just rows, where we can listen to biblical teaching, where we can ask questions, where God may use us to answer someone else's question, where we can be encouraged by the life story of others, We are built up through the insights of others. We laugh together, we cry together, and on the other end, iron sharpens iron. We are launching into a new round of groups the first week of February. And for the past couple of months, the pastoral staff and the administrative staff, we have been going through new content that will be central for many of our Bible study groups that are launching the first week of February. It is called the Bible Engagement Project, and I want to introduce you to the Bible Engagement Project today with this video. The world is always changing. It's been that way from the beginning. Empires come and go. The lines of nations are redrawn and reformed. But through these centuries of change and chaos, there is a book, a story, that has persevered through it all. The Bible endures. 66 books, one epic story woven through the lives of men and women who have given their faith and their future to the promises written in these pages. But it's more than just a book, more than just their story. It's your story too. For it is the voice of God for them and for you. Having a Bible in your home isn't enough. You have to engage it. Engage these words with an expectation of hearing from God. Join us as we walk through this biblical story, engaging and trusting the Spirit to work that change in our lives and in our church. Listen. So as we launch into Bible Engagement Project together, we have two tracks that you can choose from, two content tracks. One is called Listen. With Listen, you get into the whole Bible, 
beginning in Genesis all the way to Revelation, as we look at God's story and our role in the story as we focus on Christ. The second track is called Learn. In Learn, we unpack the core truths of Scripture so that you can apply the Bible's major themes to your daily life. Both tracks are 40 weeks. Sounds like a commitment. It is a commitment. We would say the greatest things that have happened in our life often are the result of a commitment. Good things happen through commitment. Over 40 weeks, there is a, group, a weekly group time, and at each group session, you will receive a small packet that will have sessions that you can go through on your own for each day between your group times. The pastoral staff and I, we want you to hear our hearts. If People's Church is your church home, it is our desire that you will be in a Bible study group. So here's what I encourage you to do. The best way for you to let us know that you're coming so that we can be prepared for you is to find a group and sign up. You can search and find a group by going to peopleschurch.com slash groups. You are also invited to be an early adopter of our new app called Church Center. Simply go to the Apple App Store or wherever people who use Androids get apps. I don't know where that is. Either way, you go to wherever you find apps and you download the free Church Center app. And the first time you open it, it will ask you to set your home church. If you're here, it does a little geographic search and People's Church should pop up. If it doesn't pop up right away, you can just type People's Church Salem. And you set that. It's one time you have to do this. You set People's Church as your home church. You can easily find and join groups. And once you're plugged in there, you receive reminders and the group leaders can stay in contact with you. The Church Center app is a great way to sign up for events, to give, and there are more features on the way. We're thankful for a campus where we have space for groups to meet. Our groups meet here on campus. We want to make sure that you're invited to Wednesday nights. Sometimes those of us who have been around for a while, we just kind of assume that everyone knows, but I actually just had a conversation between services with a family that's been coming for several months that wasn't really aware of what happens here on Wednesday nights. Wednesday nights at 7 o'clock, we have Bible studies groups for every age. Wednesday night, there's youth group for the teenagers, high school, middle school. We have Royal Rangers, which is for the boys. It's like scouting content that's based on the word. We have girls ministries. So there is, again, not babysitting or childcare. We have meaningful, engaging programming at age-appropriate levels. And then this is the time when we, as adults, can gather in our Bible study groups on Wednesdays. You're invited. It's a busy place here on Wednesday, and we wouldn't want you to miss out. If you serve on Wednesdays, we offer these, this content on Sunday morning. Some people go to a group, and then they come to worship service. Other people go to a worship service, and then go to a group afterwards. If you serve on Wednesdays, come on Sunday morning. We also have women's Bible studies on Tuesday morning, and Thursday evening, men's Bible study early Tuesday morning, 6.30 a.m. Pastor Bill brings the donuts. 
There's even a group that will meet by Zoom starting in February for those who want to connect by screen. I want to speak especially to those who, of you who have a servant's heart. And let me start by saying this. People's Church is what it is today because of those who sacrificially give of their time and talent to serve at the church. From time to time, a pastor or myself will have a conversation with someone who's reached a point of serving burnout. And often as we have those conversations with someone who's reached a place of serving burnout, what we often find is that over time, as commitment to serving increases, somewhere being part of a group Bible study falls away. And we can convince ourselves that we are getting the Bible study through serving. It's not either or, it's both and. If we're going to pour into the lives of others, our tank needs to be full. I had a friend once tell me that there are far too many Christians who are making the Christian life a lot harder than it needs to be because they're operating on empty tanks not filling themselves with being in the Word in personal devotion time and being in the Word in group Bible study. So I'm, I'm again, we're trying to take away excuses. If you are involved in serving and your serving commitments have you stretched out on Wednesdays and Sundays so thin that you don't have time to be in a Bible study group, I'm urging you to go to the pastor over your area or the ministry leader and say, I need space to be in a Bible study group. And we are ready to move things around to make that happen because we don't want you to get to a place of burnout. It is our heart that 2022 will be the greatest year in the Word, our greatest year as a church family in the Word. For each of us individually, that 2022 will be your greatest year in the Word. Today we've seen how God's Word is central in Timothy's past, present, and future. In the past, the Word tells us that Timothy knew Scripture from infancy. In the present, Paul reminds Timothy that all Scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, and training in righteousness for the purpose of equipping. And in the future, because Timothy knows the Word, Paul says now is the time to preach the Word, to teach the Word, and to do it with patience. Many of us will say, as we walked our spiritual journeys, we are thankful that someone or many people have been patient with us. And so now, maybe for you, it's your turn to be patient with someone else and to walk the road of discipleship with them. So please, commit or recommit to being part of a discipleship group where we can gather around the word together and discuss how to live it out with a desire to become more like our Savior, Jesus Christ.
Father, we say thank you for the opportunity that we've had to look at your word this morning into the real life example of Timothy. In Timothy, we see a man who knew the word before he could walk. May that continue to shape our heart to plant seeds of faith in boys and girls who are part of People's Church. We have heard many testimonies from ministry leaders, from missionaries, pastors, who sensed that God was beginning to call them to this work when they were children. May we not underestimate what God will do in the life of a child. Father, show each one of us what it means to be committed to being in the Word in community. For many, this this series has been an affirmation to continue what they're already doing in group Bible study. For others, you've spoken to our hearts where maybe we've been committed in the past, but we've allowed that commitment to wane or drift. And so today you're asking us, Father, to recommit or re-engage. And Father, you also know the one who is looking at group Bible study as something that's new. And whenever we try something new, it can be scary. We can think, well, what if I say something weird? And those of us who have been in Bible studies said, you wouldn't be alone. Thank you for Bible studies where we can be real, where we can be transparent, where we can encourage each other, where we can even warn each other so that we do not drift away, so we do not allow our hearts to be hardened. Thank you for every Bible group teacher that you are raising up. Father, use this campus. May it be filled with people on Wednesday nights and Sunday mornings studying the word in circles for the purpose of becoming more like your son. Our life is built on the love of Christ and on the word of God. In Jesus' name. We pray that this week's message has been practical, encouraging, and challenging. Let us know if you made a first-time commitment or recommitment to following Christ. Visit peopleschurch.com and click connect to share your decision with us. There is great value in being a part of a Christ-centered, Bible-teaching faith community. If you are looking for a church home, Pastor Tom Murray invites you to People's Church in Salem. Sunday morning and evening worship services, group Bible studies, relevant engaging activities for kids and youth in safe, secure environments. Watch messages anytime or plan your visit at peopleschurch.com.